To mourn is part of the human condition. And to offer comfort is part of our humanity. Though when grief is deep or friends are few, there are no guarantees when it comes to the comfort offered. Except except when it comes to our Bible passage that was just read, the Beatitudes, Jesus' opening to the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read the first three again. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And naturally, it's the promise of being comforted that we latch on to as we grieve for Kath. But is it a promise? And if it is a promise, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, how do we access this promise? You see, many people would say this beatitude is wishful thinking, sentimental, or just merely human observation. Yet the beatitude of finding comfort when we mourn is a promise full of hope and assurance. And today we'll look at this beatitude in action and then we will see how we can access this wonderful promise for ourselves. Now on that first Good Friday, Christ was on the cross alone. For his friends looked on from a safe distance. And though his friends were not close enough to have picked up on the mocking of those who gathered, they would have seen from the body language the anger and resentment of those who were looking on to Jesus. They would have seen the guards casting lots for Christ's clothes. They would have seen Jesus talking to one of those who was crucified alongside him, though they had no idea what he said. They may have made out Jesus' cry, it is finished, as he breathed his last And they certainly would have heard the silence as the Son of God hung lifeless and still. And so Jesus' friends departed downcast, broken-hearted, and full of the most wretched grief. But the question was, how could they mourn? For in those days, to grieve and to mourn was to take the body home, to wash and clean, to prepare with spices, to wrap in a burial cloth, before laying their loved one in a tomb. And this is how they were to grieve, but this was denied to them as they made their way back to the city. And no doubt these friends of Jesus gathered on Easter Saturday to console one another, but still, nobody, how do we mourn? And then Easter Sunday dawned, and still, how were they to mourn as they gathered early in the morning? But then some amongst them were missing. And when they did a head count, Some of the women, where had they gone? Well, they didn't have to wander for long because soon Mary burst through the door breathless. He's alive. Jesus is alive. The angels told us and then we saw him for ourselves. But surely this is nonsense, the men thought. Surely Mary's grief has muddled her thinking. And so Mary is not believed. And later on that day, that first Easter Sunday, there's more drama. Two of Jesus' friends came bursting through the door. He's alive, just as the woman have said. We recognized him when he broke bread with us. And again, the friends are wondering, could it be true? Surely not. Surely this is just some cruel twist of uh, fate to make our hearts more wretched. And then we read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 36. While his friends were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, and they thought they'd seen a ghost. 
And then Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why do your doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and feet. It is I. Touch and see. Does a ghost have flesh and blood? Taken aback and astonished, his friends still did not believe Jesus until he sat down and had a meal with them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So on that first Easter Sunday, the friends were comforted because Jesus was alive and with them. But that first Easter Sunday is much bigger than the raising of one man and the comfort of friends. For Jesus was more than a man. Jesus was more than a carpenter, which he had spent his first 30 years at. He was more than a rabbi, a teacher. He was and still is God's one and only son. And so when he rose from the dead, it had implications for all humanity. Not long before his death, he said these words. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And here we are getting closer to that source of comfort in that beatitude. The comfort is promised to all. Whoever believes in me will not die. It's a whoever. It's not restricted to his first century friends, but is open to you and I. Whoever believes in Christ will be raised from the dead. Death need not be the final word in your life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And this is what that beatitude means. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For all those who take Christ as their Lord, who believe in him, move through death to eternal life, everlasting life. As we give our lives to Christ today, we receive a taste. The Holy Spirit seals in us this everlasting life that we receive in part this side of the grave, but all who look to Christ receive it in all fullness on the other side of the grave. And because Kath believed in Jesus, we know that she has not perished, but has received everlasting life. And although we miss her, and we mourn, and we grieve, we are not distraught. For we know everlasting life is for all, for everyone who looks to Jesus. And this is the greater assurance that we have, because not only for Kath, but for each one of us as we cling to Christ, has the promise of everlasting life. So if this is true, how can we make the promise, the beatitude of being comforted by our Heavenly Father in our time of grief, how can we make that promise our own? For it is not automatic. To be born human is destined to perish, eternal death. That is our grim default unless we do something about it. And many people strive and follow this particular religious belief and this other particular guru. But the Bible is clear that all those that trust in Christ are those that break the cycle of eternal death. We believe in Christ, his death and resurrection. And it's not like a mental agreeing in our mind. It's not just an acknowledgement of an important historical figure. It's not like we put Jesus up there with people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and all those other wonderful people. It's more than that. 
It's a head belief and a heart belief that is followed up by our will and our actions. A humble submission to Christ who has risen from the dead, asking him to be our Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the invitation that is open to all of us today. By looking to Christ and believing him, by following him as our Lord, like Kath, we can have the assurance, not only that Kath has received eternal life with her loving Heavenly Father, but that we can follow and be with her and our loved ones. That is the open invitation we have for those who look to Christ. Let's pray.